All right. Whispers in the crowd. Would you open your Bibles to John chapter 7? John chapter 7. We've been looking at camp meeting time themes as we've been going through, because it is camp meeting time in the Adventist church, usually throughout the summer, depending on where you are. In Florida, however, they gave up on having it during the hot summer, and they now have it up in April. You missed it. If you didn't, weren't there, I missed it as well. But I've had an opportunity to go to lots of camp meetings in my ministry, and perhaps you have too. Well, our story today begins with Jesus as being watched by everyone very closely because it's getting down towards the end of his ministry. It's about six months before Passover, and what was happening was that he was lingering up in uh, Galilee before he was making his journey to go down to the next feast. They were supposed to appear, all men were supposed to appear before the Lord, it was called, in Jerusalem at least three times a year. And the feast, the feast of the Passover, was one of those occasions. And so there was a lot of traveling. And, but the disciples that we mentioned last week and even Jesus' brothers were concerned about him going down because they knew already there was danger for him in Jerusalem. And so they were very careful about that. It was the time for the Feast of Tabernacles, as which they would build these out places to remind them of when they stayed and camped out for the years that they were in the wilderness. And so Jesus delayed his coming, and he let the others go on, and then the Bible says he came on later during the feast. It lasted about seven to ten days. And so the Pharisees were looking, and they were asking the question, well, where is he? They were wondering where in the world he was supposed to be here. Where is he? He should have been here. Well, the story that we're looking at in chapter 7 says that Jesus then did go down to the temple and he began to teach there at the temple. And so our story picks up there that Jesus has been preaching, he's been talking and teaching with the people, he's made his appearance there, there's a lot of tension because the Pharisees and the chief priests are all upset with him and they would like to throw him out. So let's look down beginning at verse 25, chapter 7, verse 25, and at that point, some of the people in Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man who they are trying to kill? Here he is, speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? That was the question they were asking. Have they concluded he is the Messiah? Have they made a decision? Well, if you're not familiar, Messiah is the, is the translated word from from the Hebrew, Messiah, and it is the same word that is now in Greek, which is Christ. Christ and Messiah have exactly the same meaning. Christ, the Greek word, Messiah, the Hebrew word. And it means it is the anointed one, the one that has been anointed, the one that was sufficient uh, to be looked for and wanted. So we're going to come and follow that theme just a little bit. Verse 27, but we know that there is a man, where the man is from, the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. The people believed at that time that there was no way we would know where the Messiah had come from. So they knew that Jesus had come from Galilee. So there was a problem, a decision, a thing in their minds, a troubling idea, concept that they were having. 
there. Now, the Christian apologist, Justin uh, Martyr, if you've ever heard of him, he was an early Christian, and he lived to be 65 years old, from 100 to 160. So the apostles had already just left the scene, and here comes Justin Martyr. He was born. He was a Christian man, and he wrote, and he followed that same sort of thing as he shared with us, but Christ, if he has indeed been born and exists anywhere, is unknown and does not even know himself and has no power until Elias or Elijah come to anoint him and make him manifest to all. That was early Christian teaching that Justin Martyr was preaching and saying and teaching uh, in his dialogues there. So there were questions that were raised among the people about whether Jesus was being the Messiah or not. Was he the one? Was he the anointed one? And Jesus picked this up. And so while Jesus was still speaking in the temple courts, he cried out, You, yes, you know uh, me, and you know where I am from. Nazareth, of course. Nazareth, they would say. Yes, they knew he was from Nazareth. Now we need to catch on that Jesus' concept of being the Masonic mission, his concept of what that was about, didn't fit with the popular expectations of the Jews at that time. And this is where part of the issue and part of the division stems from that we find in the scriptures. Why were they divided? Why were they struggling about whether Jesus was the Messiah or not? It's because they had in their mind a perception of what the Messiah was to be. And where did they get that? Where did they get that concept? Well, they saw the Messiah being the king. They saw that rulership and there of a king. And where did they get that from? They originally got that from King David. Now, King David came to the throne, appointed by Samuel, as you recall the story, and he was powerful and he conquered many, including the killing of Goliath. Do you remember that story? Yes, that wonderful story of the slaying of Goliath. And that story, that ringing story about it, set him on a course to be a great military king. And he conquered much as he went and really established Israel as a nation with its defined borders. And so King David was thought of as the epitome of who you would think. And so they were looking for a king, a messiah, who would come like that king, who would be a conquering hero, who would come and rule and would set them up because they were under the oppression of the Romans. So they were looking for that, thought that would happen. A ruler who would appear at the end of time now, because now King David and the beginning one, well, maybe this King Messiah will come at the end of the age, at the end of the time. Remember, Jesus' disciples asked Jesus, when will all these things happen? When will be the end of the age? Matthew 24. They were looking at the end of time, thinking the Messiah will come and will set things right. He will conquer again. He will set the army and we will throw out the Romans. So now they're looking at Jesus, wondering, are you that one? Are you that person? So in Jesus, however, we find the unity of three different concepts, three different parts of what the Messiah really is. About the first one that Jesus came to, as he took the title and understood, although he didn't call himself the Messiah, but he took on the role of being the Messiah. So that concept, you are the Christ, 
Remember when Peter said, you are the Christ, suddenly you are that Messiah. And Jesus said, you, not flesh and blood, is revealed to this to you, but my spirit. And so he said that Messiah concept. So that. The second part that came along was that of the suffering servant. Now this was totally, totally out of bounds for the thinking of the Jews at that time. They didn't perceive that there would be a suffering servant. They didn't see that in Isaiah. They didn't see that he would be despised and rejected and as, a, as a sheep is led before his shears is dumb. They didn't see that part of him. And so that concept of the Messiah was not in their minds. They could not find that. Number three, they would see that Jesus called him the Son of Man. Son of Man had a specific meaning in the Old Testament, referring to someone more than just being a son of another person. The Son of Man meant that you were the Son of God. So those concepts, we find all three of them within Jesus. So there was confusion as they were looking at the Messiah must suffer and die. Really? Really? Now we might ask the question, why did not Jesus use the title Messiah? Why didn't he call himself the Messiah? Because it would be politically dynamite. And people wouldn't listen to him. And that would even storm them more. And Jesus went on, verse 28, and said, I am not here on my own authority. Not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am with him and he has sent me. Who are they referring to? God the Father. They're referring to God the Father. I know him, but you don't know him. Who? They knew exactly. And so now the Pharisees and the, and the chief priests and everybody, all the religious people are very upset with him. Extremely upset with him. You could see the conflict building and the anger in their faces. And they said, well, this is a great time. And they tried to see him. At this time, they tried to seize him. But no one laid a hand on him, because John says, because his time had not yet come. This is about six months before Passover. But still many in the crowd believed in him. They said, when the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? Now they had been following and everybody was whispering and talking about it. They all knew that Jesus has raised people from the dead. They knew Jesus had healed them. Jesus had turned the, uh, fed the 5,000. And they, they knew all these things that were traveling with him. all the whispering that people would talk about. They all knew that. And so they say, will the Messiah, will the one who's coming, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one we've been looking for, will he be able to do more signs than this man? They were asking that. Now the Pharisees heard this whispering of such things in the crowd. See where I got that? Whisperings in the crowd. They heard these whisperings. They heard these whisperings going on. They knew. They could hear people you know, talking back and forth. And then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. That's the solution to the problem. We shall go arrest him. Now, you have to understand the temple, if you've been there in Jerusalem, and some of you I saw there not too long ago, up there on the temple square and around where the, where the temple sat and up on the temple square, up there, Jesus was teaching outside where the people outside on the temple square where people could listen and talk with him. 
not in the temple itself. Only the high priest went into the most holy place. The regular priest could go into the holy place. So this was outside in the courtyard around. And so he was teaching there. And as he was teaching there, they sent the temple guards. Well, they didn't have to go very far to go arrest him. While we were there, we went to the high priest's home, which is just down the valley, and up, up there we could see that. The place where the cock crowed, where Peter was. And it's just down a little valley, and right up to the temple, right there. And so they sent the temple guards, you go arrest him. So they made their little journey. I don't think it would take them more than 15, 20 minutes to walk there to get there and but Jesus as they came Jesus was speaking and he said Jesus said I am with you for only a short time and then I'm gone and I'm going to the one who has sent me you will look for me but you will not find me and you and where I am you cannot come and the people began to ask well, well what, what did he mean when he said you will look for me but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. And the Jews said to one another, where does he think he's going? Where does this man intend to go? Where we cannot find him? Is he going to go out there and is he going to go to the people of our people scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? Is that where he's going? You see, in our perception in this world, that would be a logical question for us to ask. If he's going someplace that we cannot go, we say, well, we can go anywhere. We can get anywhere, and particularly we can go jump on a plane and get all kinds of places really fairly fast. It's too bad planes don't fly faster, isn't it? You know, I think it'd be nice if they went really fast. But we knew that Jesus was talking about going to heaven, and we do not have access to that. So we know, so on the last day of this feast, the greatest day of the festival, the festival of tabernacles, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. He took that. He was quoting from Isaiah 58, 11. Rivers of living water. If you will believe in me, Rivers of living water will flow through you if you are thirsty. And John goes on to make sure we didn't miss this. And he said, but by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him would later receive. And up to that time, John says, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. He had not gone to the cross. And he was referring, of course, to Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. He was referring to that. And so, on hearing this, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Now, there were lots of prophets who were in Israel. A prophet was thought to be someone, this was supposed to be the best prophet. Who, was, who did Jesus call the best prophet? John, didn't he? John the Baptist. Jesus said that was the best, the most foremost. Although John did never prophesied anything, did you? Never foretold anything. But he proclaimed a new truth. A prophet could proclaim a new truth. Proclaim this about Jesus. So, is this the prophet? Is this the prophet that we are looking at? So some people are saying that. Others said, he is the Messiah. So now they've gone a step different. Not just a prophet. This is the Messiah, the anointed one we have looked for. And they said that. And these, thus the people were divided 
because of Jesus. Jesus still divides today, does he not? Still divides today. I mean, you don't have to go very far to look about the division. In fact, you can go down the street and see other churches. Each believing they have the truth. We have the truth. I've never seen a church that we have a lot of the truth, but the church down the street has more than we do. I've never had a church say that. You know, no one says that. You know? Have you? I've never seen that. I believe, I told you before, I was driving out of Fresno, and there was a church that said, we believe all of the New Testament. As I drive by, what, what about the Old Testament? We have all of the New Testament. So there, Jesus tends to divide, unfortunately. He said he would. And to divide, calling for you to, do you see him as the prophet? Do you see him as the Messiah? Do you see him as a good man? Do you see him as a quack? Do you see him as a bump in history? But you cannot ignore him. Some wanted to seize him, the Bible says. But no one could lay a hand on him. Fear. Not right. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked, why did you not bring him in? Why didn't you bring him in? We, that was your orders. And they responded, no one ever spoke this way. The man, this man does, the guards replied. What are we to make of that? What are we to make of that? What is it that John wanted us to know about this story, this part? What is it that he wanted us to grab that, say? The question then that comes, comes to us, that Jesus would ask and say, who do men say that I am? Now, just a short time, we were standing in Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi is a place that Jesus turned to his disciples and he asked them, who do men say that I am? There's a cave there where they would camp. There's water that would flow out that goes down to the Jordan River. It's the head of the Jordan River. The water coming out, there's a place in a cave where people used to camp. And you could sit there and you can picture where Jesus was with these disciples and he was asking, who do you say that I am? And the Bible story then tells us, and, and we can kind of read into it, that, well, they were all looking at the floor because they were questioning who he was too. They didn't know. They were, they were getting hints. Maybe, maybe he's the Messiah. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's a great prophet. I'm not sure. They're stirred up inside because they're not sure. In fact, that question never got settled until the ascension of Christ. And so they have this going in their mind. Who do men say that I am? And they say, oh, Elias, some say you're the, John the Baptist, some say you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then Jesus turned it more personally, well, who do you say that I am? And now everybody's looking at the floor. Don't call on me. I don't want to make that. And that's when Peter said, well, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. 
So this morning, if you say, I am the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, if you say that's who I am, then Jesus would say then, come and follow me. Come and follow me. It's a question that John shares in his scripture in the great story that he tells. Through the Gospel of John, he shares that story, who is the Messiah? And all the evidence in the book of John leads to the conclusion that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. He was God himself. And the whole book hangs on that particular theme. And if that's the case, and if that's the case to you, is he who he says he is, then if he is, then he invites you to follow him. Your choice to follow him. Don't let this summer pass without answering that question. Are you ready to follow him? Wherever he would lead you. It's a sobering question. It's a thing of the heart. Dear Lord, I thank you for this story. I thank you for the, the call for us to examine you as the Messiah, as the Lord, as the Anointed One, as the Son of God, as our Savior, as the suffering servant who came and paid everything that we might have life and have it more abundantly. I thank you, Lord, that you give us that opportunity in the Scripture to think of those things. Lord, we look forward to seeing John in heaven who will show us even more of the Savior as we look and talk with our Lord face to face. But I thank you for the gift that John gave us this morning to look into your word and to see. I thank you for this revelation that you gave us in John 7 that we may know our Savior and our Lord and accept his call to follow him that we may live where he lives. In his name, amen.